everyone. Welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawn, we're going to be talking about feeding kids better, especially picky eaters, with Stacey Billis. She's our own Cool Mom Eats editor. And of course, we'll have our own Cool Picks of the Week. But first, for those of you who don't know her, Stacey Billis, who is amazing. Can we say that? I know we're biased, but... Yeah, well, I mean, she does run Cool Mom Eats, so she has to be. <laughs> exactly. So she's our own food editor. She's the author of Make It Easy, 120 Mix and Match Recipes to Cook from Scratch with Smart Store bought shortcuts when you need them. And she happens to have a master's in child development. So that coupled with her decade-long food writing experience makes her the perfect person to talk to about kids, food, and especially picky eaters. Stacy, welcome. Hi, guys. This is so fun talking to you guys this way. It's like we're around the water cooler, sort of. I know. Except we're all hiding under blankets and in our closets. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a normal talk with you, except that we get to record it and everyone gets to listen in. And no makeup or Pants required. Or shirt. So, <laughs> so I just want to say for our listeners, one of the reasons we first started working with Stacy, and we knew her work for years as a food blogger, is that she's always had this amazing common sense approach to cooking for families. And Stacy, I remember you transitioning from like slightly judgy, let's be honest, like everything organic, <laughs> to like, woo, Nutella recipes. <laughs> How did you make that transition? Because it was really interesting to watch over the course of time. I used to write organic in front of everything. And at some <laughs> point I went back into my archive and I'm sure you guys have done this with cool mom picks. And I saw that I wrote organic baking soda. <laughs> oh no. Oh my God. I didn't even know they made that. <laughs> well, they don't. When sanctimonious food blogging has jumped the shark. Oh, wait, wait, wait. They <laughs> don't really make it? I don't think so. I mean, it's bisodium carbonate or what. I don't know. I just was like, okay, I need to reflect on what I'm doing. This is not... <laughs> This is not normal. Take a moment. Um, Also, my first kid, who you guys both know, Isaac, really, truly does eat everything. And I do credit myself a little bit, but he's just interested in this stuff. Like, he loves food and he really took to it and it was pretty easy. But my second kid, Oliver, was a pickier eater. I mean, he was just, I like to say selective. (laughs) I like that. Selective. Selective. (laughs) And I started to understand more what other people were telling me. So, you know, there's one thing, and I remember this from my work in television, from before I started working in food, I worked in creative development at Sesame Workshop, making kids television programming. We've heard of it, Sesame Workshop. Maybe maybe our listeners have too. (laughs) Probably not the shows I got to work on. (laughs) I was in creative development. But my role on the creative development team when we were looking at new programming was to be the voice of the child. That was my shorthand. Uh. And what you say and know when you're looking at something academically or you're just in a group of grownups trying to think about what kids want is really different than when you're actually faced with a real life child. Mm-hmm. It's very <laughs> it's true. It's like that great book that was called <laughs> I Was a Perfect Mom Until I Had Children. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> so Oliver brought me back to reality with his selective eating habits. Your kids are pretty amazing, though. Like, I would just say the three of us are on a continuum, right? On one end, we've got Stacy, whose oldest son is like, hey, Liz, I love salads. Can I tell you about my favorite things to put when I make my own salads? And I'm like, uh, okay. And then, Kristen, your kids are, like, in the middle. They're really good eaters. I would call mine true selective eaters, other than Drew, my son, who's 10. He will 
will really try or eat anything. His palate is pretty, you know, he'll, he'll eat anything. But other than that, I wouldn't call my kids picky so much as they're definitely selective. My kids are on the other end where my nine-year-old, I mean, she has like four foods pretty much. We have like new food groups and they're all white. <laughs> There's the macaroni and cheese food group, the pizza food group. And so we always joke, like sometimes we'll say, okay, let's get pizza for dinner. And she'll say, I had that yesterday. And we're like, okay, but you only eat four things. So it's not like we can alternate that much. So she's a little tough. But then my oldest, she's actually gotten better and better as she's gotten older. You know, she went from eating nothing to like ordering California rolls and she wants the row on top. Oh, that's serious business. Yeah. So go Even figure. I don't want that big row sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she still won't eat um, what she calls sauce pizza. She's scared of sauce on pizza. But hey, she'll eat like California rolls with fish eggs on top. Wait, what's so, not sauce pizza? White pizza. Um, white pizza. It's like white, white pizza. pizza. That's what she eats. Just, okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah, white pizza. I'm like, huh? So anyway, we've got the continuum covered, I think, between all of our kids. So I think this is a good place to come in for a discussion because I'd imagine most of our listeners fall somewhere in the middle of that continuum too. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I like to tell parents is that it's normal for kids to be on this continuum and that they're allowed to have taste. You just basically made everyone feel better about themselves. <laughs> yeah, with like just a few words, they're with allowed to have just a few words, taste. I can hear the collective Done. sigh of our listeners going, ha. Ah. You know, I feel like this conversation for such a long time has centered around getting kids to eat particular foods. And what I like to say is that this isn't about getting your kid to like kale, because you know what? Like, even I'm not so super into kale <laughs> and I'm a really healthy <laughs> eater. <laughs> you know, it's about getting them to have a good relationship with food. So, you know, we want them to understand that when you eat well, your body functions better. You feel better. We want them to not have eating disorders. <laughs> want them to think that food is something that nourishes them and have a healthy relationship with it and to know that it can be fun and exciting. It can introduce you to a new culture. That's the point, not to shape a specific palate or a specific taste. That's fantastic. I love it. I'm a huge fan of that. You know, you just changed the way that I thought of it too, but it's so true. We're like, okay, it's green beans or peas, but really it should be, okay, vegetables. Like what can we pull yeah. from that that they're going to like? And same with fruit or anything else because you look at adults like not everyone loves every single protein or every single Me vegetable. raising my hand well you <laughs> please we're not even going to talk about you I'm sorry <laughs> Stacey was over the other day and I refused to allow her to have a tuna fish salad you, well, sandwich look, in my apartment you are on a different spectrum <laughs> of eating look the way I've always talked to my kids about it is we should be able to go into any restaurant and you should be able to find at least one thing you will eat there and that's how I've always looked at it for me too like don't say I hate Mexican or I hate Thai like find something you will eat, whether it's rice with soy sauce, like find something. And then that way you don't get upset because I mean obviously there's a health issue which we can talk about and nutrients and growing and all that important stuff but there really is an emotional toll on picky eaters and I see that with my youngest where she gets emotionally distraught like you can see her start to get very upset when she looks at a menu and sees nothing she likes you know either she's hungry and she feels like she can't eat anything or she feels left out um, I think it can be tough on the kids too which is something we don't talk about a lot I agree and I'm no psychologist but I do think that those kinds of issues come at the core of those 
those uncomfortable eating issues for people, like getting anxious about trying a new restaurant or going out with these people. And that's what we're trying to avoid. We're not trying to make kale lovers. We're trying to avoid those bad feelings for our kids, just like in any other aspect of parenting. And that's another really big reminder. There's something about food that throws off the parenting compass because food is so emotional and personal. Mm -hmm. So we have these ways that we parent around screen time, that we parent around not talking back, whatever it is. And then all of that seems to go out the window somehow around food. And we get into fights with our kids about food and we force them to eat food and we tell them how much they should be eating instead of letting them gauge their own hunger and how much they need. And so just trying to return to this place of like, how do I parent? What works for me? What works for my kids? Having a little bit of a plan in your head, especially if you have a picky eater or a kid with eating challenges, and just kind of approach it from a loving parenting place. I think that's a great place to kick this off. That's just so helpful. And I love your positivity, especially for people like me that are struggling with this. <laughs> and so, listen, I want to ask you because I've seen you say that picky eating is normal yeah. and that it can be healthy. That will probably reassure a lot of parents. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? So, a pediatrician once told me that basically around two and three years old, cave babies were starting to separate from mama and go out on their own. And so the palate developed a sensitivity to bitterness because the bitter berries and plants were the ones that were more likely to be poisonous. I've heard this before too, that like you have certain inclinations and proclivities because it kept you from dying, right? Right. Like this is normal. (laughs) You're trying to survive. That poison does not taste good. I'm not letting my children listen to this episode. That's all I have to say. (laughs) They're going to be like, I'm just protecting myself from death. I can't eat my greens. First thing I thought when I heard that was like, asparagus was obviously poisonous at one point because I hate asparagus. (laughs) Really? Wait, there's something you don't like that I like, Stacey. I know. I hate asparagus and I hate goat cheese. Shut up. No, goat cheese literally tastes like butt in my mouth. (laughs) No, I love goat cheese. Okay, I'm feeling a little better about my own eating now. I thought I've had goat cheese at your house. Haven't you served it at parties? Oh, I serve it. I'm willing to serve it. I'm not squeamish about food, but I will not eat goat cheese. Good to know. (laughs) Next time you come Come over. I will not be making you asparagus with the goat cheese sauce. The goat cheese asparagus <laughs> tart is my specialty. Because you would totally make a tart. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'll tell you what. You know, it's good to hear that there are certain foods that you don't like. And also, I feel like there has to be some level of them asserting control, right? That's what I always think about for kids. Like, they're controlling what they're putting into their own bodies. And kids have such little control over themselves. We're picking what they're wearing. They're going to school every day. They have very little power and control. And I feel like Mm. food is one place in their lives where they are able to effectively assert the control and power. That's a great point. And that goes back to what Stacey was saying about how we have very strict parenting rules and norms when it comes to things like screen time or bedtime. But with food, that kind of goes out the window. So it would make sense that kids see their opportunity to sneak in and exert some power around mealtime. Totally. And that's why some people will suggest that you don't give them a second meal because once they see that chink in our parenting armor and our parenting strategy, they'll exploit it. That's their job. They are supposed to be challenging us, you know, and food is a place where it really makes sense for them to do that. That means having a clear sense of where you want to put limitations on the other side, going back to them being allowed to have tastes. 
It also means empowering them, too, when it's appropriate, you know, and like letting them have a little bit of control and pulling them into the process. And what do you want to eat? Like maybe you let them plan one meal a week, even if there are no vegetables in the meal, just do it because nutrition doesn't hinge on one night's dinner, you know? Well, that's an important point. I remember reading somewhere where they said that they don't eat a vegetable like the one night. Look at it over the course of a week and look at what they're eating over that week and not get so hung up on the fact that at that one meal, they didn't have a veg. I don't know if you remember hearing that, You know what? I haven't. And I I love that. I was like, wow, that is really eye-opening because I think as parents, we get so caught up in the one meal. There was an article that I read recently. I think it might have been in the Huffington Post. And this had to do with how to get your kids to be more adventurous and to try new things overall, not just with food. And one of the things they said was that your kids will start to expect the quotes, the normal, right? So for instance, if you always feed them chocolate chip pancakes for breakfast, when you try to give them oatmeal or a waffle or even regular pancakes, it's not really their fault that they're like, what the hell is this? That's a great point. (laughs) So if you're just giving them, you know, macaroni and cheese or whatever, and look, I'm raising my hand, like I've done it many times. When you go beyond that, when you start to try to add vegetables, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. So really, you've got to start, you know, the healthy eating, whatever it is that you really believe in early. Totally. So what are your tips for that, Stacey? Like for starting parents and kids off in a good routine when your kids are like toddlers? Yes. I do think that the earlier you start, so mamas and papas out there of little kids, like you have a great window of opportunity here. It's said that it can take upwards of 10 times for a child to accept a new food. So when they're little and it's all new, like that's a great opportunity to keep at it, keep changing it up on them. That's a whole Mm. lot of spinach being thrown at your face, by the way. (laughs) And, you know, there's also the fact that some people can't afford to just like go buy that random dragon fruit because, oh, look, it's new. Let me do something fun and experimental. And if my kids throw it at my face, who cares? Like that's food waste. And that is really meaningful in some families. It should be meaningful to all families, actually. I mean, I think it's a big problem. You're right. And we've even written before about organic foods. Like if you're going to go organic, there are certain places that you should spend the money and certain places you really shouldn't. Like buying organic organic bananas is a complete and utter waste of your money. Yeah. And so I like that you're talking about food waste and price because I do think that that's a challenge for a lot of parents. Well, do you think it's generational too, Stacey? Because I'm curious to see how it is for millennial parents and younger because I was privileged growing up. We had food on our table all the time, even though my mom did lock the refrigerator. But that's a really long story for another show. <laughs> it was healthy. Yes. That's, <laughs> that was really That's another show. Excellent. However, I'm just going to drop that bomb there and then walk away <laughs> from it. Um, so it's it's generational. A, a lot of it is like food waste really makes me nuts. I would love to hear from millennial parents out there. Does it make you as crazy as it makes me? And I don't have a clean plate policy, but I personally have a hard time leaving food. It's very hard for me. And I know it's probably from my own upbringing. Well, it may be some of us also with depression era grandparents uh, where, I- you know, look, my um, stepmother's parents were the, <laughs> they were like the little old couple in the restaurant that you 
used to put all the bread from the basket into their bag and wrap it up before the meal was over. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, we used to joke about that, but that was really Depression-era mentality mm-hmm. of, like, take everything you can, don't leave stuff on the table because you don't know when your next meal will be. That's a great question. I would imagine a lot of that's changed with the younger parents than us, Krista. Yes, the youths. <laughs> I'm curious, too, and I also think that it's on a spectrum because there was a really great article in the New York Times maybe a year ago about how all this conversation about picky eating is so classist because, you know, there are parents who are on food stamps, let's say, for example, that literally don't want to buy anything that they don't think their kids will eat because they just need their kids to eat. And they basically have one shot at getting a meal into their kid every day, Mm -hmm. you know, a healthy, warm, well-rounded meal. So it's not something that they want to take a risk on by buying like kale and, oh, well, you're not going to eat the kale tonight. Like, no problem. You know, even if they can get rid of the food waste, fine, I'll eat it. Like, their kid needs to eat. And look, that goes back to the whole chocolate milk in schools at breakfast thing. Yes. Where, you know, parents are like, well, at least they're getting milk by pouring chocolate milk over their cereal in the morning. Yeah, we could go into a whole other episode on yeah, that. That's but that's like a, a good point. Okay, so for us somewhat privileged parents who can afford to talk about picky eating. <laughs> um, <laughs> like can t- afford to experiment a little. Give us some more tips, like, as your kids get a little older. Like, let's say, like me, you kind of miss the boat on developing toddlers who are fantastic eaters. What do you do as they get a little older. So I know I said this already, but I really do think with the older kids, you've got more of a parenting issue on your hand than a food issue. And I know that this really is an annoying thing to hear. (laughs) I need it's tough love. I need to hear this. It's a little bit of tough love because everybody's always looking for like, what's that one recipe? Like, what's the one food that's going to solve it? (laughs) Like, I'm going to keep searching. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a parenting issue. Unless, you know, there are sensory issues, there are real things that can play into picky eating. Anxiety. Yeah, there are totally legit things happening for sure. But for most of us, it's a parenting issue. And I think really getting clear on what you are trying to do, like just coming up with a parenting plan the same way so many of us are used to with like screen time plans. So like What do you want? Do you want your kid to try one new thing a week? Do you want them to eat salad with every other dinner? Like, just put some concrete actions to it for you and for them. Talk to them about it. Be respectful. You're making a change. And it sucks when you're trying to figure out, you know, how to be independent, how to make your own decisions for your parents to just suddenly change something on you. Have a conversation with them. Like, this is what we want. We want you guys to eat healthier because, you know, you're playing these sports and it's really important. Or, you know, you have a lot of work to do at school and we want you to feel good and feel clear minded. So we're going to all eat healthier. And that's the other thing. You have to involve yourself. (laughs) Yeah, well, they're looking at us, right? I mean, they are looking at us as much as we wish that they would just listen to what we say and not look at us as we, you know, dive bomb into the cereal box for dinner. Yeah, actually, that's true. (laughs) I had a big, huge Greek salad. Thinking of you, Stacey, last night for dinner and some Spanakopita. It was very good. And I was talking to my kids about eating salad. And I said, look, it's not that I wouldn't like a Belgian waffle for dinner tonight. But like sometimes you make choices that aren't your first thing that you want to eat because you feel like your body needs this. And that's like being good to your body. They may or may not have bought that, but I try to talk to them about it that way. Like, I chose a salad, not because I want to eat it, and it's the most delicious thing I could possibly think of. Although it was pretty good salad. But that, 
you know, when it comes down to it, I'm kind of listening to my body and my body is saying, need salad. Well, and the education component is huge. That's been where I've been coming from is like, your body needs protein to start the day. Here's what happens when your body doesn't get protein and you only get carbohydrates because that's our big thing is like my kids love carbs most of the day, but especially in the morning and they just start the day better. I think our kids are kind of the same, Liz, right? I think most kids are the same, right? They need to have protein. Well, Margot in particular, my eight-year-old, hates all kinds of protein. Like, she just doesn't like it. She is a cheese and bread person. Yes. I'm so glad we're talking about this. She's an old lady in another life that lived in Paris, and that's all she ate. (laughs) So now it's like, what do you want to do? And honestly, I don't mind if they eat cheese for breakfast. But guess what? If she ate as much cheese as she wanted, she'd be living in the bathroom, and that's not fun. So... Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I always say my kids are pastatarians. That's pretty much what they eat. Like, I'd say vegetarians, but that would include more vegetables. But, you know, eggs, um, miso soup, some tofu, edamame is a big hit with us. Like, I look for other ways to get protein into them because they're not big meat eaters. Right. What are some tricks, Stacey, to get protein into kids if they're not going to sit down and eat a whole pork chop? So, first of all, another thing that I was told by multiple pediatricians is that protein is not as big an issue as we think it is and as we perceive it as parents. So, if you're really, really concerned about it and you're getting anxious about it and remember that your anxiety is probably spilling over on to your kids, even if you don't realize it. First off, just talk to your pediatrician. Get like a real life sense of what's happening. Well, my pediatrician said your kids have to eat more protein. Yeah. So okay. I'll just so put then, that out there. <laughs> so then, then you need to feed them more protein. One of the things that I also say is besides giving kids a say and asking them what they like, and if what they like is high protein Greek yogurt, I mean, I hear you about the cheese, but like give them as much of that if it's a healthy food, especially if it's a healthy source of protein, let them have it. Like their diet doesn't need to be wildly diverse at every stage of the mm, game. Right, helpful. right. I, well, I think that that's what we get hung up on, right? We're like, oh my God, they're only eating the same four foods. And really, isn't it our issue? It's not really theirs. They don't give a shit about them eating the same food every single day. They don't care. But I think as parents, we get freaked out. Like I'm like, oh my God, how could they be eating the same thing every day? But as it turns out, out. Kids love ritual. Humans love ritual. And ritual can actually be really good. I ate a peanut butter sandwich every day for like six years as a kid. Right. Literally every day. And like, ah, I'm okay. <laughs> You're okay. And it's changed. I like a good peanut butter sandwich, but it's really not my only lunch choice these days. Except there's still no tuna fish salad happening around here. But <laughs> other than that, I, you know, I have more options. But are you an advocate of looking for things like protein enriched potato breads or, you know, quinoa or other ways to get protein? Yeah, how are those? Like the pastas that have protein in them? Is that a good idea? I think anything that makes you and your kids feel better is a good idea, to be frank. So if you're really concerned about protein and your kids eat tons of pasta and you find a protein-enriched pasta that they like, why not? I mean, that just brings the level of anxiety down. And like I said, going back to the beginning, this isn't about shaping specific tastes as much as making sure that mealtime and food is a source of positive interaction with your kids. So yeah, why not? You know, I put protein powders in my little one's smoothies because it makes me feel better because he would eat bread and bread and pasta on his bread all day long. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're going to have pasta sandwiches for dinner. You ever have a chip buddy, like from British pubs, where you put like butter and yeah. potato chips on white bread? Yes, you... sounds I'm not kidding. That's like British pub food. It's awesome. Don't well, tell yeah. your children. You need something to soak up like the 40,000% alcohol beer they have over there. But listen, so my older kids, I have found, and I did this last week with my middle two who were bitching about what I had in my refrigerator. My son was like, did you go food shopping? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, it doesn't look like it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, so guess maybe somebody needs to go to the supermarket himself. Exactly. I took him to Trader Joe's because they have the little tiny shopping carts. I said, you need to have proteins for your lunches and breakfasts because we deal with dinner and you need to have vegetables and fruits and then you can pick some snacks. And you know what? They came up with really awesome choices all on their own. Now, granted, I did have to put some candy back. (laughs) Did they come up with anything that you wouldn't have thought of? Well, you know what? My son actually bought some organic. There you go, Stacey. That's for you. Some organic beef jerky, (laughs) which I thought was an interesting choice for lunch. He bought like four packs of it. It was (laughs) $6,000 because beef jerky is freaking expensive. But you know what? It was a great way for him. He's not a sandwich person at all, and he doesn't like peanut butter or almond butter, really. So I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad idea to pack that for lunch. Yeah. So yeah, he totally did. And you know what? Stacy, my Margot, came up with the Greek yogurt. I love it. I feel like people always ask me these questions wanting specific food recommendations. I mean, the beef jerky is actually totally genius. But notice that it came from a kid. Yes. Yeah. I know it will help, but if I say beef jerky and everyone's like, oh, that's so smart. And then you bring beef jerky home and your kid isn't like Drew and doesn't want beef jerky. You're like, ah, again. So it's not really about us coming up with specific products. Like, yes, like hummus, chickpeas, black beans, use carrots in a sweet baked oatmeal and then they'll get some veggies in the morning. Or I've roasted sweet potatoes and I've spread it on toast with a little bit of honey and cinnamon. Like, great. If it works, it's awesome. And you share a lot of those tricks on Cool Mom Meats, which I, I actually steal them. Right? Like if you search for protein on Cool Mom Meats, you'll get at least four or five links to ideas for high-protein snacks, kid-friendly non-meat sources of protein, protein school lunch ideas. Cool Mom Meats is a great source. The internet in general loves the internet. Um, <laughs> tons of stuff. But I really think that to get to the heart of this, it's about bringing kids into the process, accepting their taste working with what they've got and just like, again, thinking about this parenting piece of it. Like there's no one size fits all. This makes me feel good because I actually sat down with my youngest and said, okay, we need to, this after the pediatrician said more protein is. She also said, if you don't eat enough protein, you will be a midget. Which, yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm like, we're switching pediatricians. That that part of the conversation. uh, 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 I'm like, Sid, she was just kidding. And that's not an appropriate term. And I don't know why she said that. But we're going to another pediatrician next time. I don't believe in like making up false threats, you know, so that your kids cannot. It was very strange. That's a whole other story about my crazy pediatricians. But what I did was I sat down with her and we went through Pinterest and we went through food sites and we went through Cool Mom Eats. And what I did was I created a private board that's like Sage's recipe board. And we went through stuff and I said what about this what about this what about this and we searched specifically for like what are recipes with peanut butter and she found a smoothie that looked good and we looked down all different sources of protein how about edamame and she liked the idea of edamame hummus yes um she doesn't like hummus but she likes edamame so she liked that idea so we're like okay let's make that so we actually created a private board just for us where she could add in the recipes that she would be willing to try and make with me and so we've been starting to go through those and it's been really 
really helpful. So maybe that's like a good tip for our listeners also. If you're not able to get your kids to the supermarket all the time, I know not every parent can do that. You know, you can do it virtually online and have them help that way. Well, you know what, Liz, and this doesn't apply to Sage, but I think when it comes to this picky eating stuff, kids are in some ways, not everyone, trying to get attention, right? They're always trying to get our attention. And I often wonder if some of this stuff is really about getting attention. And what you've done is like you're spending one-on-one time with your daughter, talking to her, asking her her needs and her wants and that sort of thing. And so I think, honestly, like that could even change an eater just because you're spending time with her. And I would say, if anything, Sage wants less attention when it comes to food. She just wants to be like left alone. (laughs) But yes, I agree. She actually really enjoyed the one-on-one time of like doing this together. Just the time together, you know. So I think that's hard for many parents. That's a really good point. I totally agree with that. So Stacey, listen, there's a lot of these tricks that people do, right? There's like two bites and no thank you or like you have to eat all this kind of stuff. And it sounds like a lot of this is like, you just got to pick one and stick to it. But I'm really curious about the Mm -hmm. hidden foods and whether you tell your kids or you don't tell your kids. I would love to hear you weigh in on that technique. Yeah. So just like my organic baking soda story, I used to be (laughs) really, really hardcore anti-hiding foods. And by hiding foods, just to clarify, we're talking about books like Jessica Seinfeld's book or um, Missy Chase Lapine, The Sneaky Chef, where people kind of hide spinach and brownies or applesauce and smoothies, things like that, so that kids are getting nutrients directly from fruits and vegetables, but don't know. Right, exactly. You know, and part of my evolution as someone who really wants to help parents and support them in this, because I know how emotional and difficult and time consuming and exhausting it can be dealing with a picky eater is really just becoming a better listener and working at being non-judgmental because there's no other way to help people. (laughs) You know, people feel judged, they close down. I know I do. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So if that's what works, then go for it. Because again, if it makes you less anxious at the dinner table and it means not fighting with your kid, that's a plus. I would just warn people that of your parenting life and probably notice this, that if you want them to like vegetables and like healthy eating and you're like, here's your macaroni and cheese night after night and they don't know there's butternut squash in there, they're going to want macaroni and cheese. And one day you're not going to be there to puree that butternut squash (laughs) in their college (laughs) dorm, (laughs) in their college dorm. One day someone's going to give them butternut squash and they're going to be like, that's disgusting. Little did they know. Well, here's what we've done because my mom was actually really good about that. She loves that Jessica Seinfeld book. And so the two things my kids love <laughs> are homemade chicken nuggets with, you know, panko and egg. So there's a little protein in there. And she rolls it in the butternut squash puree. And they love yeah. it. And so when they got old enough, she would just say, yeah, yeah, that's one of the ingredients in here. So that it wasn't a big deal. We weren't lying to them about it. That's it right. was just part of the recipe. The other thing she would make is what she called pink pancakes. And it's beets. Yep. It's too sweet for me. I can't eat it. But it's like beets and and ricotta in pancakes. So there's Did you just say the beets. words, it's too sweet for me? No, it's. <laughs> I, I find it inedible. I can't eat like super sweet things. Like these are very sweet, but the kids love them. They're bright pink. And my mom would just say, yeah, there's beets in them. And so right. I think what was important was that she was putting foods in other foods, but she wasn't lying about it. And I think that's kind of where one of the issues is. The other thing is you should probably keep introducing new foods to your kids, even as you're hiding foods in other foods. That's right. 
And I do think that that's the way it's most effective is that if you're dealing with a kid who's such a picky eater that there's this immediate concern about their nutritional intake, use the hiding vegetables thing as a way to address that but don't abandon other things that help them slowly over time develop a taste for healthy foods and a willingness to accept a variety of foods and a variety of healthy foods in particular. Oh, did you guys see on Cool Mom Eats Instagram a story recently? And I'm going to do a follow-up to it. You do the it. best stories. I put frozen cauliflower. Yeah, you put frozen cauliflower in a smoothie. I put frozen cauliflower in a smoothie because I read that it's totally tasteless. And I had this debate with myself where I was like, should I tell them? Should I not tell them? And my kids eat really well, but like yeah. frozen cauliflower in a smooth, like, honestly, I was like, that Ew. scares me a little. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that to me when I come over, Stacey. I'll not oh, be happy. Oh, she's totally doing it to you. She's going to put it in your goat cheese. <laughs> I'm going to put goat cheese in your smoothies. <laughs> We're never eating out together so again. So how did it go? So tell everyone what happened with the cauliflower, the frozen cauliflower, if they missed your Instagram story. I ended up Telling them for the sake of social media entertainment value. (laughs) (laughs) You got to love it. Because we use our kids that way. I didn't tell them at first and I put it in front of them and I told them to take a sip and then I told them while they were on camera so everybody could see in real time. That's awesome. What what happened? They loved it. They loved it. They couldn't taste. It totally worked. And they were like, oh, that's cool. Oliver is a selective eater. Isaac does love everything except, honestly, cauliflower. He's not super into it. And they both were like, oh, that's cool. That's cool that you can put it in your smoothie and not taste it. That's the lens they saw it with. And I thought that that was pretty interesting, too, that they weren't hung up on the food itself. But it was almost like a weird sciencey thing for them. But that's so true. Like, if you can hone in on other things that your kids like or are interested in, or like maybe they're artists and it's like all about the presentation. My eight-year-old is probably the most selective of all my kids, but she (laughs) loves to cook. So when she's making stuff herself, she's much more apt to actually eat it because she had a hand in making it. I saw her picture on Instagram. She was making those eggs in the little um, yes. heart single egg pans, right? Yes, and she actually made breakfast for dinner herself because, you know, we've been arguing back and forth about dinners and she complains every night about what we're making even though it's on the calendar. We have Meatball Monday, Taco Tuesday, and then she she just gets annoyed with it. She's like, I don't like tacos. So we said, all right, well, fine. You want to make dinner one night? It's up to you. And she looked at us. It was like silent for like five seconds. She was like, Okay. So she made breakfast for dinner. French toast, sausages, eggs. The other thing I'll say for parents, and we kind of joked about this before that I used to only eat peanut butter sandwiches and now I don't, is that kids' tastes evolve, right? I mean, as they get older, they're going to be more willing and have more of an ability to like different kinds of things and spices. And there is nothing more effective in my experience than peer pressure. And I can attest to the fact that because of my daughter's friendship with Quinlan, with Kristen's daughter, because we've gone out to eat together a lot of times my daughter will now eat calamari she'll eat duck remember when we all went out for yes. like that barbecue your own yes. korean meat place and that was great awesome. because the kids like cooking themselves and suddenly my daughter likes duck and she'll eat lamb chops now she still won't eat sauce on her pizza <laughs> we're working on that but like <laughs> but those okay. are those are three really yeah. advanced things like duck calamari and lamb chops for a kid that doesn't really like much meat and that was because she wanted to impress her friend who liked those things so i can say that for a lot of kids as time goes goes on, they'll grow out of some of the pickiness. Or as you say, Stacey, they'll still be particular and selective. They just will open up their mind as to what they select. Totally. I've had several families 
<laughs> ask me to leave Isaac at their house for playdates so that he can eat dinner there too, so that he can model eating for them. Dude, that's a business that is a model whole right business. there. Rent out your good eater kid. But it is so true. You could put that on TaskRabbit sure. and make a ton of money. Like yes. for $50 yes. an hour, I will rent out my kid who's a great eater to sit with your picky eater. <laughs> Isaac's so into earning money of his own, he would so be down. Picking out his eating habits, he would be so down. But also that means like staying out of the way a little bit too as a parent. Letting things take their natural course. This is a long game. Again, we're trying to get them to be healthy grown-ups. We're trying to make sure they understand that when they're 40 and they can't drink milkshakes with no consequence, <laughs> that they have something <laughs> else that they like that they can eat. <laughs> so this is the long game. Like get out of the way sometimes. Like being in their face about food is just increasing the likelihood for power struggles. Mm-hmm. Like yes. thinking about the time of day that they eat is a really big one. School lunch. They're on their own. They're with their friends. Let their friends be the influence. Just give them food that you know they'll eat if you're still packing a school lunch so that they have enough nourishment to make it through what is a very long, hard day for them. Although ask them if they ate it because you might be surprised how easily your kids are trading their grapes for like a lick made (laughs) fun dip. Our school has really strict rules about trading. They, really? They, oh, yeah. They're like locking down on that shit. They don't wow. want those kids trade anything. Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah, they get we in trouble. That's interesting. I don't know. My kids, they pack their own lunches. And I, I swear, like, my life revolves around protein. Is there protein in your lunch? Have you had protein for breakfast? <laughs> but you, yeah, What's no, your... but that's important that you realize that you're really focused on protein. And, Stacey, you've helped us think about not beating up on ourselves so much, let alone beating up on our kids. I mean, there's only so many plant sources of protein. <laughs> like, there's only so much we can do. Like dairy's good, but too much dairy can be too much. Um, it's really hard in the digestive system. Then there are some people who believe that like dairy is totally bad for us altogether. Which, as a side note, I think part of also having a healthy attitude about food and imparting that to your kids is not getting too crazy about food yourself. Like, oh my god, this is BPA line, and oh my god, they said that sugar is poison and dairy is horrible. Oh yeah, and, Ju- juice like, will kill you. Everything in moderation it's what's worked forever yes we eat a lot of processed foods and that does change the game a little bit like if you find that your family's diet is high in processed foods it's really important to know that you're probably taking in way more sugar than you realize sodium too right a lot of sodium well that's flavor fat plus sugar plus salt equals flavor flavor. the reason everything tastes amazing in restaurants too is salt sugar and fat butter exactly there you go fat (laughs) my favorite fat There's dairy in moderation. There are legumes and beans. So black beans, chickpeas, any kind of thing made with that. So bean dips. Like if your kid loves Mexican food, that's really good. There's hummus. You know, quinoa seems like a grain, but actually isn't a grain. And that has tons of protein. And now there are so many products made with quinoa. I mean, you can find like quinoa in granola. I bought the pasta, actually, and it's delicious. Yeah. It is the best gluten-free pasta Ooh, that I've found. I should try that. It's really tasty. Totally. So, you know, there are only so many sources. Just try to exploit those as best you can and then relax a little if possible. I really am <laughs> so grateful for your common sense advice. I know this has helped talk me 
down for real. And I hope it's helped a lot of our listeners too, because I know a lot of us struggle with picky or particular eaters to whatever degree. And it's really good to know that we're not all doing everything wrong. And there are constantly opportunities to rectify the situation as we go. There's always tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yes. We could burst out into Annie right now, except I, I that would make you lose your appetite. Or Anne of Green Gables. Do you remember Anne of Green Gables? Tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it. Of See? Of course. Right? Aww. Well, you know what? Everyone can find everything we talked about on Cool Mom Eats. Cool Mom Eats, E-A-T-S dot com. You can go over there. We'll link all the posts that we talked about on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. And if you have questions, if you have comments, you want to ask Stacy something about your own kids' eating habits or what you're doing in your house, drop us an email, spawned at coolmompicks.com, or you can find us on Twitter. Stacy's on at Cool Mom Eats. We're Cool Mom Picks. Use the hashtag Spawn Show. It makes it easier for us to find your tweets. And of course, always on Facebook. And Instagram, really, you should follow Cool Mom Eats on Instagram, right, Stacey? Yeah, we're sharing recipes, which is working really, really well and helpful because we're all cooking using our phones now. Yes. (laughs) So we've started putting full recipes right there in the description. And on stories, you can see me experimenting on my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Cauliflower and smoothies. And that is why we procreate. (laughs) (laughs) I try things so you guys don't have to. And if you see it fail, you know not to spend money on that frozen cauliflower. (laughs) Awesome. So listen, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Stacey, I'm so glad you're going to join us for Cool Picks of the Week. I'm very, very excited about mine, I have to say. You know what? That means you have to go first. I have to start? Okay. So other than food, I love makeup. And I have discovered a new makeup line that I'm obsessed with. Before I say it, I know it's a little bit pricey. But I have a suggestion for where you should start. So the brand is called Hourglass. Hmm, I've never heard of that. I haven't heard of it. And I have actually seen it in Sephora. So I know it's getting more popular, but I went to their actual store when I was traveling in California. They're made locally in Los Angeles. And their line is gluten-free. Is that a real (laughs) issue, by the way? Like, do people have issues with gluten and makeup? I didn't know that was a thing. I asked my friend who just recently was diagnosed with celiac and she was going over what she needs to do to like, you know, revamp her diet. And they did tell her that there are different levels basically of how severe it can be and that she may have to think about all of her skin products. Wow. And making sure that they're all gluten free. So she's not there yet, but apparently it is a consideration. It is real if you have celiac. uh, and, And tell us the name of the line again. Hourglass. And what products in particular do you like? Okay. So I really like the idea of contouring, but am like afraid of going way overboard because I'm (laughs) old and not a celebrity. Um, I've definitely gone out a couple of times and have gone to the bathroom and been like, oh, wow. Okay. Went a little overboard. So they're, (laughs) they're ambient lighting palette is like a really great contouring palette that's really shimmery and light and it's just so much more subtle than any of the other ones I've tried. I'm looking at it right now. I actually Googled it. That's a good one. (laughs) I love that our food editor is giving us cosmetic recommendations. <laughs> this is what we do at Cool Mom Picks, by the way. And it's gluten-free. It's gluten-free. So if you're stuck with your makeup compact in your car in the middle of nowhere, you could potentially <laughs> eat it and not have <laughs> No, do not eat it. 
Our lawyers are like, do not tell people to eat the makeup. <laughs> so, Kristen, how about you? Do you have a cool pick of the week this week? Of course I do. Every pick that I give is cool. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> this week, I want to share a post we did on Cool Mom Tech a while ago that I brought back to the surface again because I think it's really timely important about creating a social media policy for babysitters. I know. I just, oh, I just brought it down. So we were just all happy about gluten-free cosmetics, and I just went, womp, womp, womp. But it's really important. And, you know, I think many listeners can identify with this issue where maybe you had a babysitter take a video or a photo of your kid and they texted it to you. Or, you know, like some other people, they discovered their babysitter was, you know, taking Snapchat photos of their kids. Now, again, Ooh. innocently, I think so many of us use social media so naturally that we really don't even think about it. Yeah. But you know what? Our babysitters and our nannies, and by the way, this includes the loving, wonderful grandparents as well, or friends or family. So it's really important just to talk to your babysitters and nannies about what you feel is appropriate use of social media when they're with your kids. So we put that all together for you, what to ask, what to think about over on Cool Mom Tech. I think it's really helpful. And you know what? We consider ourselves to be tech savvy, and I still needed to do it with my babysitter. So I don't think anyone is out of the loop on this one. It's really important. Yeah, no judgment. I think this is just a good thing to know and think about. Yes. And hey, we're all learning as we go along with tech, as we always say. So that's a good pick. Thank you for that. Of course. So my pick this week is a brand new company. It's called Livelihood. And what it is is a new designer collection of hoodies designed by Ashley Biden, who is the former vice president's daughter, but they're hoodies for good. Livelihood. Get it? And it's so smart. So Ashley's actually a social worker in Delaware by training. And so what she wanted to do was put together something that could help create U.S. jobs. So all the hoodies are designed and manufactured in the U.S., but she wanted to raise money to fund underserved communities via donations. What they do, which is so smart, you know how sometimes you hear, like, don't spread out all your charitable donations, pick two organizations and give as much as possible to them to maximize your impact. That's kind of what they're doing. They pick two zip codes at a time each year to create the most impact for those neighborhoods. So right now for the first year, they're donating 100% of the purchase price of their hoodies, which you can find exclusively right now on guilt.com. Wow. And they're donating them to Wilmington, Delaware and to the DC neighborhood of Anacostia. I hope I'm saying that right. And what's really cool is that it's very targeted donations. It goes specifically towards educational initiatives, job training, and vocational placement so that they can really revitalize those communities and get people to where they need to do so then they can give back. So it's called Livelihood. There is a post about it on Cool Mom Picks. If you want more information, if you're not a guilt member, you can even use our referral code to join and get a credit after you purchase. But um, it's a super, super cool company. I love seeing like politicians, kids going out and doing good in the world and helping other people. And I just, I was so excited to learn about this. So I was happy to share it. Yay. I need a hoodie right now. I know. I need three. They're really cute, by the way. They're like really stylish. So yay for hoodies. All right. And then listen, before we end this show, I have a bone to pick with you, Liz Gumbiner, and I'm going to let Stacey Billis weigh in on this too. (laughs) But I want our listeners to weigh in on this uh, little disagreement. So last week we did a post about the 10 romantic movies you could stream on Netflix. (laughs) And I don't know how the hell Clueless ended up on that list, but you tried to tell me that you think Clueless is a romantic movie. And you know what? I asked Ben, my fiance, and he said the same thing you said. He goes, well, they do fall in love at the end. And I'm like, that's what Liz said. (laughs) Am I the only one that thinks Clueless is not a romantic movie? (laughs) Stacey, what do you think? I'm sort of torn because... 
because I kind of think it could be. Oh they my just... god! Thank you, Stacy. <laughs> but look, we've also had debates, Kristen, about whether Neil Diamond is good karaoke songs or oh, not. All right. So... <laughs> oh, okay. Look, could you keep it? Focused? And I lost that one. Everybody said Neil Diamond was good, which is what you. Neil said. Diamond is good. Neil Diamond is good. All right, so we're just gonna put it to the listeners. Listeners, are you Team Kristen? Do you think Clueless is just a funny, kitschy, you know, whatever movie? Or, or like Liz, do you think it's a retelling of Emma, which is really all about romance and pairing people up and in the end finding romance yourself. God damn it, you pull out the literature references and we're all screwed. (laughs) So anyway, that's what I wanted to say before we end the show. Weigh in, we want to hear from you. Thank you very much for giving me this this platform. (laughs) And hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Thanks to our fantastic engineer, John Bowen, and thank you guys for tuning in. Remember to leave us a review on iTunes if you like the episode you know a good five stars always makes us happy you can download that episode now so that you can listen even when you're offline and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode every single week and thank you to marissa who's at tampa mama on twitter she just tweeted us she said your spawn show makes me feel so normal love it thank you hashtag best podcast I Thank love you. That. Isn't that We're sweet? not normal, but we're glad we make you feel normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a win. So anyway, thanks for joining us for another episode of Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.